Hello and welcome to Reeling in the Piers. My name is Gary O'Brien. This is where I get some of my very good friends on to chat about and discuss all sorts of movies. And joining me today for the very first time, it's only Keanu Driscoll. And he's here to talk about the Coen Brothers' 1998 comedy drama, The Big Lebowski. So stick around, we hope you enjoy. Mr. Keanu Driscoll. How do? How do do? How do do do? How do 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 do? How dude? Oh. <laughs> I uh, like Keen. that. Keen. I like that. Uh, <laughs> Keen O'Driscoll. Fucking 25 episodes later, I can finally get you to come on this. Well, as you know, the dude abides. <laughs> <laughs> How no, are you? no, no. To be fair, to be fair to the to the listeners, we we did try this before. <laughs> <laughs> when Gary when Gary does his you know one hundredth episode, I don't know, whatever, he might release a you know a reeling in the years peers episode where it's like all the cuts and abbreviations of the episodes. <laughs> no, that's the that's a dark secret episode that we will never air again. You might you might be uh, entitled to a listen. Yeah, it's, no, what what happens is when I get a Patreon and I start charging for that, it'll be a secret episode. People, I was going to say you should set one up. <laughs> no, I would I I would fund no, you. The reason why Keen is I can't justify charging people for a conversation that me and you would have if they were just to stand close to a bar and hear the two of us shite about <laughs> a movie. Um, because God knows we've done it in the past, but uh, we've never shite it on about this movie. But I still feel we should have gotten paid for it all the times before. <laughs> that is true. But um, so why, why, why this movie? Why, why, why is this your episode one? Well, can can I just say first, thank you for having me on. I I've been an avid listener, and uh, I I like I've always since I've known you. Like I haven't known you as long as as others, but that you've had on the show but I, I just want to say like since I've known you it seems like the perfect gig for you and I'm really happy that you're doing it and I've been a big fan of all the other episodes like everyone has been great so I just want to I hope I live up to the standards you know I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to be doing this with you so it's a good it's a good good gig um like you said um you know I've known you a long time not as well as others that's probably the most sincere fucking thing you've ever said to me and I have no idea how to react that's because this is going on the record. You. <laughs> You're a dick. This is going on the record. I always thought you should you should you should be doing this instead yes, of the chemistry and I always... molecular <laughs> In all those lectures you were just like Gary should be doing something else. He's doing enough talking here to fill twenty four episodes of a movie podcast. We'd be we'd be in a lecture of statistical thermodynamics and Gary would be doing a bit on something. <laughs> I've been doing impressions of the lectures, um, but, but yes. So why why is the Big Lebowski your episode one? I want to know. I want to know why you picked this. I I don't know. Uh, it's it's a hard choice. I have lots. I I have lots of favorite kind of standout movies that appeal to me because for me, watching movies comes from a lot of, like like my selection of movies or my interest in movies. Like it comes from like. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to explain. No, I I'm, have... Sorry, I'm just hearing the spinning of the white Russian you poured yourself. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. I'm spinning. I'm spinning. I'm twirling the ice cubes here. I, I'm looking intently, staring into the glass, and I'm trying to think, uh, it's, you know. It's exactly how we used to talk about movies. We used to, <laughs> except it usually would be a freshly poured that, pint of Guinness. 
that's what I'm trying to remember. We're in the pub at the bar and I'm swirling my pint. <laughs> no, it would be the it would be the shorted whiskey with the couple no, with one ice cube. One that's ice what cube. it is. One, one ice cube. cube. Yeah. No, uh so Big oh, this this will this will go on for ages. The Big Lebowski. I I love this film because it's very it it's not what you expect, you know. You go, everyone thinks about this film and they kind of think straight off that it's like, you know, uh, a pure like kind of stoner comedy sort of shite. Like, but it's sorry, I'm gonna curse a lot probably during this. Um, <laughs> it's what I tend to do. I I don't brush things up. Um, so just bear with, and I'm sorry in advance to the listeners for this. But I, I fuck you. <laughs> I, I I I just curse a lot. So. Uh, just bear with, um, and I'm sorry in advance. Keen, I I Keen. love this movie. <laughs> I just want to point out we did in Bruges. The cur- <laughs> anyone that wasn't on board with the cursing is dropped off by now. The only two people that are going to listen to this that be offended will be my mother and your mother. So it's fine. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But just saying, be warned. Because <laughs> I. I'm a fair few in now at this stage and I just don't want anyone to be under any illusions. Um, no, I love this movie because it, it when people think about it, they think straight off that it's about, you know, Jeff Bridges, like perfect actor for this movie, like straight up stoner comedy kind of crime thriller or whatever. And it is. But at the same time, like someone watching for this for the first, I know for myself, first time watching this, you get the gist, but it's so convoluted it's in no way like a straight line through the plot like there's time like there's time skips you know you go backwards you go forwards there's multiple storylines there's dead ends to the plot you think it's going one way it doesn't you know like so there's a lot more like different sort of layers to this film and and because of those layers uh, i think that it confuses a lot of people first time around as to what is actually going on. Yeah. And sure, you figure it all out towards the end, yeah. but, you know, people forget about that because a lot of it, you know, kind of circles back in the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes and people have it figured out. But I think for the majority of the film, people are kind of fucking wandering <laughs> around in circles, you know. Uh, and I think that's why it's become a cult classic. Like, it, you know, that and multiple other reasons, like there's a lot of different themes going on in this film. Yeah, but I just want to say I'm not a big movie guy. I haven't studied fucking film. I don't know anything, so I, you know, this is just me spouting shit. Hey, but pst, it's what I get from pst. it. I'm doing the same thing as well. <laughs> no one's got on, Keen. I don't know what. But you're 24 episodes in. No, no one's picked up on any of it. <laughs> or they have, and they're completely okay. Just just wait until Thursday's episode where Emmett, the real actor, comes on and schools me in a movie that I know <laughs> nothing about. Um, no, no, that's fair. And yeah, like I, I, I kind of seen it uh, first time a while ago. Um, but it's kind of only really the second time, I think, maybe where you kind of appreciate it a bit more. Because the first time, you, like you say, you do spend it um, kind of wondering what's going on and what's happening. And then you kind of... It's very convoluted. It all ties together in the end. So when you kind of know that ending, um, you can kind of just see that the, the chaos of the whole film. And and it's great because um, it's I've I've watched a few Coen Brothers movies recently, and it's, I've I've I have you met have you seen have you seen many? 
I know you love. I've uh, oh. seen pretty much all of them. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I, I, I've really just come to understand that the, the Coen brothers just love just plonking someone with a load of cash, and they have to deal with it one way or another. Yeah. And then there's yeah, just yeah. a load of different um, people coming from different directions. Um, I, ju- I just want to say, sorry, I haven't seen all of them. That was an exaggeration. I've oh seen good. a lot. Of oh them. good, because you know, Keen, <laughs> people were going to email you and text you, being like, "But have you seen, have you seen this one?" And um, okay, I've seen a lot of them. Okay, well, like you say, I know it's a bit convoluted, but would you be able to like? explain i suppose broad strokes what this movie is roughly about for people that might might not know broad strokes i think this is where i fell down in my first attempt at a podcast with you (laughs) i spent 14 minutes talking about (laughs) who the first character was uh broad strokes so i'm kind of just gonna go with this and say that it's a basic case of like mistaken identity that leads towards some sort of, um, you know, crime drama or crime drama or thriller or whatever. You know, like it's a case of mistaken identity. Something gets stolen from the dude. He goes looking for it. You know, he goes to talk to the guy that's the real big Lebowski, the Jeff Lebowski, and uh, you know tries to figure out what's going on when the people who stole, you know, or soiled his rug and is looking for the money or whatever they're really after the the big Lebowski, the rich Lebowski or whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of like a crime drama, but it's like a case of mistaken identity. And he's trying to get to the bottom of this, you know, like what the fuck happened? Can he get his rug back? Or not his <laughs> rug back, but like, you know, replace his soiled rug yeah. basically and figure out what the fuck's going on with the real big Lebowski, yeah. you know? Um, Broad general strokes. Yeah. No, like, know. yeah, and it's, that's exactly it. And that, like, it's, he, he sets, literally, the character's motivation is, my rug was soiled for a reason that's not to do with me. I, all I want is a new rug. And that's his only motivation. <laughs> and, and, and to be honest, like, this is, this is probably what confuses most people who are watching it for the first time, is that, like, the plot is really not that complicated. You know, uh, like, it's... It's such a simple story. It's mm. just the way that it interweaves back and forth between... And the cast isn't that big either. Like, there's nothing... Like, in no way is this film, like, in any aspect of it, is there, like, you know, does it seem complicated? It's until you actually put it on paper and you're looking at it. Like, it's so convoluted. Like, it's in no way linear. Like, yeah. if you're looking for, like, a straightforward plot line, you know, like, shut the door. <laughs> like, <laughs> leave it there, you yeah. know? Like, you're going to be in for a surprise because... And that's why I like it. Like it's so it's so complicated yet so simple. Yeah. Um. And and you mentioned cast. Uh, I suppose the titular character of uh, Jeffrey the Dude Lebowski. It's played by none other than Jeff Bridges. And and you kept saying because we this is I, I tell you what we I've done twenty four episodes of this and I think you are the only person I have watched the movie with while I was kind of taking notes and stuff like that. Uh, because oh, you were taking notes? Because oh, you're a fuck. difficult bastard who won't do this any other way. Uh, but it's more it's more that literally, uh, one of the things I just noted in my head, not that I wrote notes or anything, uh, was that you literally just kept saying throughout the entire movie, oh, he's perfect. Oh, he's perfect. He's per- Why is he perfect for this? I think he's an outstanding actor. Yeah. Um, like, he is so adaptable to many other roles like like i'm not a i am a big movie head like i've watched a lot of movies but i'm not a big one for facts or figures or (laughs) you know i i've watched a lot of movies you say a movie i've probably watched it in my time but it's just i i don't remember facts but i know jeff bridges as an actor is 
you know, he is he's up there with the best. Like he can adapt himself to any role really. Um like if he needs to play anyone with a big chin, he's got it. He's got it down to a T. Like a big chin with a gruff voice yeah, and a beard. Like he doesn't change his appearance, yeah. do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, he can like he can play the comedic sort of roles that you expect, like the big Lebowski and I don't know, did you see the one with uh, Matt Damon? Uh, I mean, True Grit. True Grit. Was that, yeah, the new no, True Grit. Sorry, was that anything to do with the fact that you just love westerns in Clint Eastwood and you were like, oh, they're doing it again. Oh, it's fucking great. I, I'll have you know, that was a John Wayne. Oh, fuck what? Yeah, shit, sorry. Go, yeah, so, you know, go fuck Still yourself. Still not wrong, though. It's the same, it's the same idea. <laughs> You're not wrong. I'm a big fan of westerns. I love a western. And before anyone else comes on the podcast, I dibs the next western, so... <laughs> I'm just going to oh, say no. that right there. Oh, you've angered so many imaginary people. Uh, my father will be. But I, I put it down first. Uh, but I'm just saying, like him, like I love the original True Grit. It's a great story. Mm. John Wayne is is classy. It's very kind of romantic. You know, John Wayne, like perfect western, whatever. But as a reboot, and I generally don't like them. Uh, I like the original stories for what they are. But you know, a re- as a reboot, Jeff Bridges brought something really real and really he 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 nearly brought a lot more fucking grit to the story <laughs> he uh, he brought you know the true I mean? grit he brought that he brought, he the brought true that grit. fucking grit you see in the fucking side of the road in that yellow tub that's what he brought and no i'm not i'm not putting down john wayne he's like a sean connery to james bond like oh. jane or you know uh john wayne to westerns is like sean connery to james bond like there there mm, are yes, classics yes, and you're, you can't you're replace speaking about them. something i understand yes, yes, yes. yeah you know um, i'm speaking your language uh so like he he can act that rough gruff tough sort of fucking actor where he cannot but he can also act in the comedic role as well like he's so adaptable yeah you know? uh, he's really a, a great actor yeah and i think this this is probably one of his best comedic performance as well like he he does it with and i don't know if it's because the character is so laid back but he does it with all with so such ease um like when, when you see him on screen first you know exactly what his deal is he's he's in a supermarket he's wearing a dressing gown he's in sandals he's wearing shorts on the eve of the gulf war no less the, yeah. <laughs> so he's just there and, and, and we kind of get that whole intro by um sam elliott talking about there's the dude and you kind of just get this whole thing that he's like he is like the john wayne he is the he is the lone ranger uh, exactly the and way. the and the intro to the film is the perfect that it's just like the tumbling weed like it's just slow mm. you know enjoyable it rolls into the scene it rolls into the beginning of the film no stress yeah. relaxed and he's there in his fucking saturday morning clothes you know <laughs> in the supermarket um, dressing gown so yeah like we mentioned he just kind of these guys piss on his rug and it's a mistaken identity and he's just he's he's just trying to do everything so reasonably he's like come on man you did this just give me my rug and and he's trying to apply such logic to these people that just don't 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 see reason to the, any of this um like he like w- when he goes to the big lebowski's house and he's like i you know my rug got pissed on because of you you owe me a rug and he's like no your rug got pissed on that's your problem however yeah. in later on in the movie it's very much you lost my money, you replaced my money, which is the like opposite of the logic he was using at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the dude, and what I love about the dude is um, one that he demands to be called the dude. Um, two in that like he does not care who's like because what we'll find what 
and like I'll, I suppose I'll do a brief spoiler thing of what happened. So, um, the big Lebowski's um wife, who's like this twenty something year old, goes missing. He assumes she's been kidnapped. He doesn't particularly like her, so he takes upon the opportunity to um, you know, these people. I don't really. Uh, how do they? How do the kidnapper? How do the nihilists? No, oh, the nihilists are friends with um the the wife called Bunny Lebowski. And because we see him in the pool at one point and they take upon the opportunity when the big Lebowski says she's missing. They say, oh, we've kidnapped her, but we don't know um, that it's been them. Um, so they they ask for a ransom. And the big Lebowski, who actually is not as liquid financially as we may assume, um, uses the opportunity to take mo- withdraw monies from uh, this like foundation he set up um, and entrusts the dude to court uh, like Corey. Uh, no, the, what's the word I'm looking at? Uh, to be the courier. Um, yeah. in getting this money but he doesn't give them the real money and uh, there's this whole thing about the dude thinks he lost the money then the dude um, again it's very complex it's so it's so <laughs> complete and like even to pull you up on that like it's not like the nihilists don't even uh, like this is going way down the line for the listeners like but like the nihilists don't even they don't even kidnap her no she just went on a, like on a holiday <laughs> And they tried to exploit that fact. Like, it's it's so... Co- and, like, there are things that you only figure out towards the very end, like... Like you say, the last 10 uh, minutes. In the last 10, 15 minutes. Like, it's so convoluted and you think it's going one way, but it doesn't. But, like, I, you you made a good point. It's, like, you know, about about him. And it sets the whole premise for the film. Like, people are, like, you know, they're straight up in his face looking for things, wanting information, wanting him to do things, looking for information... And he's just, he's at a whole different pace. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's like slowed down by 10, you know? And I think that's the difference. Like from his point of view throughout the movie, he, he's going like at a reduced speed, you know, like he's, he's snail's pace, man. He's just fucking relaxing. Mm. I think I I understand why you like this movie so much. (laughs) I love this movie. He like, He's chilling out, maxing, relaxing, yeah. <laughs> cooling. Uh, you know, he's he's taking it easy. And the fresh prince I think that, of LA. Exactly. He's he's just chilling out, and I think that's the big difference between him and everyone else in this movie. Like even like Donnie and uh, your Walter. man uh, Walter. Like it's. I suppose we could talk a bit about Walter and Donnie. Um, <laughs> so Walter is played by John Goodman. He's like an ex-Vietnam uh, soldier. Again, one of my, like, a really good actor. Uh, he's like, phenomenal in it. He just plays this very dramatic, um, easy, like a hothead, uh, very easily irritated. Um, I'm starting to see too many similarities between these characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, willing to get quite aggressive about things. And um, he is, him and, him and um, you know, the dude... Uh, on a bowling team together and then that's kind of and then Donny is played by uh, Steve Buscemi he is like the um, the pushover <laughs> of the group he's told to shut the fuck up um, absolutely pathologically clueless <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it got it got me thinking during this is that I feel like every friend group has a Donny and if you don't know who the Donny is you're probably the Donny <laughs> John <laughs> sorry sorry just putting that in there 
I think it's really important that John knows we're recording this on a Friday. Uh, I think that's really important. Um, so yeah, so those are his friends, Donnie and Walter. Uh, uh, Donnie and Walter. Donnie really laid back. Not laid back. Sorry, just very kind of like you say, a bit clueless. Just kind of lives in his old world. Very enthusiastic about bowling. Walter, quite the aggressive, um, ex-Vietnam veteran. He's the irritating. Supposedly. 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 Yeah. Um, and it's and it's great because Donnie, yeah, like I think we no not Donnie, but we talked about Walter. Walter is just he has some of the best bits in this. He he's he's a meme. He's that bit. Am I the only one around here? Or am I going crazy? <laughs> meme. He he's like <laughs> the exact opposite of the dude. You yeah. know, he he is strung up to the max. He is all action. He is all go. He's like right. You know, no fuck. Shut the fuck up. This is my take on it, and this is the take that you should be taking. Mm, you know, this is the way it is you know and the this dude is, is just like we're gonna record the, the podcast fuck, like man? this keen i swear to god oh sorry no i uh, sorry walter Oops, I was gonna... <laughs> uh I, I suppose the first thing we the first thing we kind of see um you know walter is very like this is the way things are supposed to be is he's just yeah. arrived at the bowling alley and someone steps a foot over the line he goes that's a fault it's a zero and he goes no yeah. it wasn't I, I didn't mean to do that and he goes it's a zero it's a fault and it just it's like so aggressive like no no i'm sorry these are the rules like what happens after that (laughs) (laughs) he's a typical american of principle (laughs) you know it's sorry sorry for all the american listeners yeah you're really gonna piss off alice and dan i I think you have two um like he he's you know very much sort of like i stand up for my rights but yet doesn't really know what his rights are or you know they, he thinks what his rights are are what he thinks they are you know yeah. uh so like, he he's very impulsive and he's very aggressive and he's very you know righteous and it's it's like the perfect uh coupling to the dude you know they just bounce yeah. right off each other and like poor old donnie then there is just fucking in the middle shut the fuck he's, up. <laughs> he's told to shut the fuck up he, he just so bears much. the front yeah I, I love it so much i love like so there's always these scenes of uh of him like you know scoring is like scoring a strike i don't know i just really want to bowl after i don't know about you but i really want to go bowl again I, watching this movie i fucking love bowling <laughs> i i used to live i spent a year in galway sorry i'm actually just gonna go on my way to make another drink if that's gonna upset the podcast is that gonna upset the podcast i'm sorry but i'm out and i need something um i spent a year in galway and uh <laughs> should we pause it no, <laughs> sorry. Um, I spent a year in Galway and I watched this movie like probably a total of like 16, 17 times. And all of them were while I was slightly drunk. And mm. it was just fantastic to watch the like the play between the three characters. Like Donnie just gets like trodden over altogether. Like... But, it's only, it's, no... only, but it's only kind of by... Wa- it's only by wa- Walter. It's uh, only dude. by... It's, yeah, it's only by Walter, but at the same time, it's not because the dude, if you watch back, the dude pays very little attention to Walter. Mm-hmm. He hardly interacts with... Donnie. Uh, sorry, with Donnie. And, like, at the same time as, you know, Walter giving him this abuse, like, uh, the dude's indifference to him is the same. You know, he nearly goes unnoticed. And, yeah. like, as sad as it is... You know, they they know that like spoilers alert. They notice when he's not there. You know what I mean? Like he is an integral yeah. part of their th- like, I don't want to say threesome. Their their trio. Mm. You know, like he he's a part of their group. He's a part of their bowling team. And like, 
this this podcast is going to go all over the place. But like at the very end, like that last scene where sorry, he what, goes... what what gave it that hint? The fact that you're currently making a cocktail. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not really. Um, but the fact of that last scene where he bowls, like, and he he doesn't get the strike. You know, like he yeah. he is integral to that team. You know, like yeah. he strikes out all the time, and that one time he doesn't get a strike. Oh, you know, there's something up. Yeah. You know, so like Donnie is like, but at the same time, like I we we can get into it now or later. But like at the same time, does it really affect the overall arc of the movie? You know, Donnie no. being there or not being there, and that I. But I, at the same time, I still think he's an important character. Like he, he adds a different dimension to their friend. Like you know, the three of them. You know. Yeah. Um. So and and Steve Buscemi, like he's a fantastic actor. Like he and he he plays in a lot of the Coen Brothers movies. Like he, he, does, he is yeah. class. He is really 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 good. Um. But he looks so old in this. But yet this was like <laughs> he looks old in every movie. Uh, he's, he's always <laughs> permanently old. I, I'm very fearful of when he turns ninety, and we're not gonna notice. He's gonna just be very old, and we won't. Care. I don't know if people seen the move, like the actual movie Fargo, but it's like he's that funny looking fella. <laughs> you know, you just don't know how old he is. Um, yeah, and um, so I suppose then another character we can talk a bit about is uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Who plays oh, Brent? Fantastic, yeah. Um, and so Brent is sort of like the uh, like personal secretary uh, to the Big Lebowski, uh, played by David Huddleston. And um, so we kind of meet him first. He's kind of he is a big fan of the Big Lebowski, as we can tell. Um, but he's fantastic. He plays. A he great, is like, class. Philip Seymour Hoffman never has a bad role. And again, he he is another actor who plays. Com- comedic roles quite often but when you see him in a in a serious role like he is class like he is really really good like uh red dragon or Dra- dragon rising oh sorry dragon right uh the first hannibal movie not the first but like the original or, yeah yeah you know like he plays such good roles um like really serious roles and like he, i'm a big fan of his um he he's a really good actor but you know, and, and I think he he portrays this type of actor like perfectly. You know, like uh, oh, like I don't know, like anally sort of fucking retentive, you know, <laughs> like you know, uh, secretary or assistant or whatever. Like you yeah. know, he yeah, like he he's just a fantastic actor, and he do, like he takes all the boxes. He he makes you feel the way the directors want you to feel about him. You know, yeah. Um, as do all the actors, like they they were all perfect, you know. And I think that's something about the Coen Brothers, like they they always choose their cast very um very selectively, like they 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 always choose the right actors for the right roles. Yeah, and it's funny because I was talking to uh, Mark about this for Jojo Rabbit last week, and um it was just like, how do they get such a good cast? How does he? How does Taika Waititi get a such ca- uh, such a good cast, even though like such minor roles? And it's just like it's just because of how they write and how they direct and I think it's the yeah. same for the Coen brothers they just write such fantastic roles like um, like uh, skipping slightly ahead only because I know that's probably the most amount of time you want to spend on a character is the likes of the Jesus character who's only in it <laughs> for maybe 45 seconds in total <laughs> yes I, you just see like as in like he's your favorite character in this entire film he, he, he has to be one of my favorite <laughs> characters in this film because so you who's, get, who like, is Jesus then Jesus is like this, 
you know, he's straight up, like straight away, he just appears in the bowling alley and you just know, like he, he strikes out, like he is, he is straight up there. Hot shit. Hot shit. Like he is their competitor. He is their rival. He is like, I got know. serious, I got serious, you know, like Ben Stiller and Dodgeball vibes. And yes, it's like, exactly. It's, it's, it's a sport no one really cares about. Uh, sorry, our bowling and dodgeball fans. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's like, you know, but yeah, he, he, he's good at it and he wants you to know, he wants you to fucking know about this. And he knows he's good at it mm. as well, you know. And he's also a pedophile. But we're <laughs> <laughs> he is also a pedophile. And like, what is funny is that like, they, they, they cut to a short clip of him where it's like, as a pedophile, you have to go around the neighborhood that you currently live in and tell all the neighbors that you are and your record. Uh, and it's just how awkward that must be. But like, at the same time, none, you know, obviously deserved. But, you know, Walter has great fun of this, like <laughs> describing <laughs> this to the dude. But I do love him as an actor and he and he shows up in a lot of Coen Brothers films as well. He's um, in Oh Brother, Where Art where Thou. Art thou. Yeah. yeah, and it's always in in that one he's he's not he's not the buffoon or whatever, like he he's in a slightly more serious role, but still sort of comedic. But mm. again, I'd like to point out that like all these actors, they're fantastic in their way of um, you know, acting in comedic and serious roles. Like they're so adaptable. There's a great film with I know you have this thing about your man beep Kevin Spacey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's also a great film with uh, Johnny Depp, who is also controversial at the moment, um, mm. called The Secret Window. And it's kind of like a, a horror film, not horror, but psychological thriller. Um, and your man, what's, oh, what's his fucking name? Uh, John Turturro plays in it. And he's so fucking scary. Like, he, he is so scary. Like, he's fucked up in that movie. Like, And he really makes you feel uncomfortable and really weirded out and really really psychological um and you really you know you're really afraid of them or you're really like nervous around them and i i just love that i love how those kind of actors can you know switch from one personality to another and i really think he shows it in this movie where he, yeah. you know he's licking that bowling ball and you're just like man this guy's a fucking weirdo and he's rubbing the bowling or he's polishing the bowling ball <laughs> yeah. in the fucking sack and it's yeah. just like what the fuck is this but yeah no he's a great actor and and perfectly portrayed as well um in that role um sorry just just one other scene i i didn't we didn't get to finish talking about it just we were thinking about the bowling alley uh it's one of walter's best scenes where like i said about that guy stepping over the line of being a fault and oh then, yeah, 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 and, yeah and then walter just gets his guns out gets his gun out and just points at him, like put down a zero <laughs> put down a zero <laughs> And uh, literally he's pointing a gun at this man uh, over a bowling, like, score. Um, but I, it's one of my favourite moments in this uh, movie. And it's very, very Coen Brothers-esque where it's that scene where they're literally walking out of the car as if nothing has happened. And, and it's, <laughs> they're walking out, they're talking about, I don't know, they're, they're, they're talking about um, the, the whole ransom situation probably. And the cops, you see the cop car run out, like rush up, they're <laughs> rushing into the building. It's, a, it's All like, in it's, the backdrop of the scene, like, and they're just sitting in the front of the car. 
Yeah, and it's gas because um, so then I think I think um, it's it's after that when the dude like wakes up the next morning and he's got like fifty voice messages on his phone because <laughs> he's stolen a rug from the Big Lebowski. Um, the whole gun incident has happened. There's a load of, like, hey, um, I'm calling from the bowling association and I believe he pointed a gun at someone. So like, um, and, and it's so it's it's so it's very funny because it's like he never returns those calls. And they're talking about disqualifying him from the finals, but yet by the end of the movie, he's in the finals. So clearly, <laughs> he just never followed up, and he, they just it, it amounts to finals. nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but like I uh, and I think I actually just and uh, I know I'm bouncing around, but it's because I'm semi reading my notes, and I realize I I forgot to talk about uh, Jesus a scene where the Gypsy Kings is playing, and it's like the Eagles version. Of, no, um, hey 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 hey! When we started morning. this podcast, we said it was just going to be a chat. There's I, no I understand that. There's no I, fucking. I understand, chat. but I, I, I want to talk about the Gypsy Kings because I've got a thing about the Gypsy Kings. I can ah, skip okay. slightly ahead, and it's go only ahead, because they do, they do, uh, they do a cover of uh, the Eagles Hotel California, and it's funny because you remember when he gets in the taxi, and the the taxi driver is playing the Eagles, and he goes, yeah, "I yeah, fucking yeah. hate the Eagles, man." Yeah, yeah. So that song, the Eagles song, is played when his arch villain nearly is in the scene so it shows that not only it's a song that we love because we're seeing uh, Jesus for the first time it's playing a song that technically the dude hates while he's seeing his arch nemesis yeah. he hates the eagles yeah. so that's a fun fact for you it, it's class like it's so uh, like I don't want to make this about the Coen brothers but it, it is just something that they are so on top of like every aspect of their film whether it's the score whether it's you know the actors and the dialogue and you know I'm not a movie major or whatever the fuck, but like it's just the way they fucking put things together. It all works so well. Like, well, there's, they're like, so on top of things. That's when it comes. like your opinion, man. <laughs> it is. It is. It's totally like your opinion, man. Um, but um, and just yeah, speaking of Coen Brothers, uh, in a weird way, uh, like they like to do kind of weird, very odd scenes. And it's kind of it's it, there's there's a few one, weird ones in this. Oh, um, there is. There's a few weird dream sequences. The one, the first one being we kind of I think he, the dude gets knocked out, um, by Julianne Moore and two other people that we'll probably get on. To, we'll get on to all them later. But it, it's kind of it sets up the fact that there's these weird dream sequences in it. He loves marijuana, so we can assume there's some. <laughs> oh, it's a complete stoner film. Like I don't know, did we say that at the beginning? Like you kept saying of course it it's a, a simple stoner film, but it is. <laughs> and isn't. It's a it's 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 a comedy and a crime thriller but it's also a stoner film <laughs> uh, no there's that great scene where he's like floating above uh, LA um, and it sets up the fact that he's kind of lusting for this Julianne Moore character who we get introduced to in her art gallery yeah like I, I don't know if he's lusting after her or if he's just going along for the ride because like I not like uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I don't know if he like he just takes things as they are. Do you know what I mean? Like he doesn't, he lives in the absolute moment and he, he doesn't presume he doesn't fucking, you know, he's just going along for the ride, playing things as they are. And Maud Julianne Moore, like she, she has, <laughs> sorry, I'm only laughing at you, Keen, because you were like, I thought we said no notes. And then you were like, Julianne like, looks at notes. I oh. have to remember her name. I know her as Maud, but I don't know her real name. So I had to look. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, no, like he, he goes along for the ride, but she obviously has ulterior motives. Like she, mm-hmm. she's after him for something. And at the moment we don't really know what, but like, 
she does go after him for something and like he's just going he's floating like he's got knocked the fuck out like and at the <laughs> time he he was high and he was off his head in fucking white russians i know what that's like but like he <laughs> you know he was uh he he was really out of it and at the same he doesn't know what the fuck's going on and like when he ends up in that art studio it's I don't know, man. If you if you put me in that situation, I'd be freaking the fuck. Why, well. Keen? Does like... the word vagina upset you? Does it make you uncomfortable? <laughs> does the word vaginal make you upset, Keen? Not in the slightest. <laughs> but it's yeah. it's it's the pitch. Do you know what I mean? It's the way it's presented. <laughs> it's the way she presents it to him, and he like he is not at all phased by what yeah. the content of what she is saying to him. He he's just phased by like what the fuck are you on about? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like he nearly he nearly quotes all the wrong things from her conversation. Yes, very you know? true. That is true. And I I love that. And like she she does have this ulterior motive that you learn later on in the film, but it's just like so she's 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 the Big Lebowski's daughter. Daughter, um, yes. And and she's also part of the board um, on the on the foundations. So that's how she knows the money's missing uh, because yes. she's part of it. And she was like, "Oh, I've noticed a million dollars went missing." So she's all the more invested in getting the money back rather than trying to get uh, Bunny Lebowski, uh, the Big Lebowski's um, like twenty year old trophy wife, if that is the. Um, Oh, what's the word? Oh, fuck, I forgot it. It was from the movie. Uh, it's like the parlance. <laughs> parlance of the times. <laughs> I can't remember it off the top of my it's head now either. Times. But, um, but we like, literally just watched it. Yeah, no, like she, she, she has even more of a stake. I don't know if we're in that sort of zone now where we can talk about towards the end of the movie or whatnot. But yeah, like she, she's now. even more... Uh, She's even more of a stakeholder than the actual Big Lebowski. Like he's just there, like given a few tasks. Like he's sort of like a front man kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know. And he's allowed to play Mister Important, but like she's an actual stakeholder who has a lot of shares. So she's very invested in the funding and what goes on in those foundations. So she's yeah. well aware of when a thousand, or sorry, a million dollars goes miss goes missing. Like she's well aware of it, and um, that's what she wants to know or understand and how the big Lebowski is involved or not the big Lebowski the dude is involved the in dude um, and I think we'll just we'll, we'll tie this guy off just be, just because he, he, he relates to, to to this character it's uh, David Th- Thulis Thulis David Thulis I don't know how to pronounce this man's name he plays Lupin in Harry Potter uh, he's oh. also in Fargo the TV show <laughs> He's just this weird fucking dude who fucking just laughs the fucking shit. Uh, but basically, just uh, just for the people listening, I just wanted to make aware that as I was watching this movie, uh, anytime he was on screen, Keen proceeded to laugh like like you just heard, <laughs> non-stop. So that's all I wanted to say, really. Uh, also, the only other notable bit in that scene was when they when the uh, Julianne Moore takes a, a, a Philip like a TV remote and it's the size of a fucking brick. <laughs> You're just like Jesus Christ, uh, because it's in that scene we realize that Bunny is actually uh, doing like porn with that one of those one, the guy in the, the german pool, like, nihilists the, 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 the german nihilists <laughs> um so then we realized the whole plot is like i said it, it's very obvious if you, you tell it from a to b but it's when the character of the dude discovers things uh, and it's great because you, like i am aware you're drinking a white russian uh but it's <laughs> it's very it's great because whenever the dude walks into a room it is immediately like oh you got Kahlua? Uh, and he, he just without asking he just pours himself a drink uh, of a white Russian and it's in this scene he does it and you just he's just like what do you want to talk about I'm just going to get myself a drink 
you keep talking. If you want to say vaginal a couple of times, I'll say coitus. It's a whole thing. It's 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 a different pace. You know, he's going at a different... But, but at the same time, he figures things out, okay? Like, when he goes to your man's... Uh, like, when he... When the two guys from the very beginning, the guys who soil his rug, like, mm-hmm. when they come to kidnap him or again and bring him to the port what's his name again um oh he's checking his nose fuck what's You're his name I, I don't have it down jackie treehorn jackie three treehorn the, the the i don't know what the word is like not the a syndicate porn producer porn producer uh he's never watched porn in his life it doesn't hasn't reached galway yet it hasn't no i don't have wi-fi what's wi-fi um <laughs> 4G? Never heard of it. Um, When he goes to your man's, like, studio set or whatever on the beach, it's, like, this weird... Again, there's loads of fucking, like, dream... This is, like, part of a, a set or something, but at the set, when it's first pitched, it's like a dream sequence. Again, or this, like, this naked woman is bouncing up and down on a trampoline, but it's very sort of, like... Also, porn has reached Galway. <laughs> Again, sorry to uh, Mother O'Brien and Driscoll. <laughs> I, I'm in Mayo. <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's illegal here. Um, <laughs> you only get it in level one lockdown. <laughs> you have to collect a certain number of chips to get level three access. <laughs> you need to beat the Pokemon trainer for his emerald badge. To the audience, I just bought the Switch and got Pokemon Shield. <laughs> 20 this hours a, in and I'm the new this, champion already. <laughs> this is going to be a long one. Um, <laughs> what's worse is the one with Emmett on Thursday is even longer. If not, I don't know how... To, anyway, so, yes, it's so, like a dream sequence. Because it's this whole, like, a hippie commune is the thing that came to mind when I initially saw where he's based out of. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it is. It's it's like a... It's a weird scene because, like, you have these loads of people on the beach and they're, like, recreating some sort of scene and you don't really know what it is and it's not explained. But it is a little bit sort of... Uh, oh, I don't know what the word is. The creative juices are flowing now. It's like a fucking ephemeral sort of scene. Like, it's it's... You don't know what it is, but you you assume it's a fucking porno scene, right? So, but it, it cuts to him talking to uh, your man Treehorn, and it's like, okay, where's Bunny? You know, she's obviously been in his, you know, porno movies. She owes him a lot of money. The Big Lebowski, he's found out that he, like, the Big Lebowski is in, not the Big Lebowski, I keep calling the Big Lebowski. The dude. The dude, the dude is involved in this case of, you know, uh, Bunny Lebowski. And he wants to know what the crack is, where she is. The dude has the money for the ransom. Uh, what's the crack? But at the same time, the dude doesn't know what the fuck is going on. But no. it's around here that he starts to put things together, you know? He starts to figure out, like... Well, yes and no, in a way. He he believes he knows the plan, but he still thinks the money is with this 14-year-old. Um, because it's got a very, very long story short. Well, she's not 14. Um, well, the no, 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 no sorry, no, the, the dude, the kid, the child, Larry. yeah, 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 Larry. Yeah, so what happens? Like so it's a... kind of, yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of very long story short. Um, what happens is, um, they they go to do a money drop off, but uh, Walter insists that they do a ringer, so they don't actually give the money and they keep the money. Uh, but what happens is that the hijinks ensue and they and they lose the briefcase uh, because the car gets stolen, and they discover that there was homework in the passenger seat that belonged to this kid. They think the kid has the money, uh, which proceeds to one of the, probably the funniest scenes in the movie, in my opinion. Larry Sellers. Um, 
Larry Sellers where they go to this kid's house they assume that he has the money they roll up they see a Ferrari outside and they're like this fucking kid's already got a fucking Ferrari he spent the money he spent the money um, they whereas go in. Walter died like he fucking digresses and he's just like oh no don't worry he's only sold or he's only spent like you know Nine hundred and thirty-seven thousand know, yeah. <laughs> Um and it's great because they go in, they discover it's this former writer of a TV show, and it's literally this guy. In, like, he's a fucking, vegetable. He's a, <laughs> he's like he's in like this weird cocoon like health system, and then like they ask, "Oh, is he okay?" And then like his wife or someone or his carer goes something like, "He has health. He has some health issues." And I'm like no fucking shit. Uh, so they interrogate this kid, and they're like. Hey, where's the money? Where's the money? And this kid is like stonewalled, and then, um, and then it proceeds to Walter. It's the funny. It's my. I think it's my favorite film scene. He's like, "Do you want to see what happens when you fuck a stranger in the where's ass?" The <laughs> where's the homework? Where's the homework? Yes, they show the homework. Like, is, is this, this your homework? homework? Is this your homework? Is this your homework? And then the, the dude is like, "Man, just tell us where the money is." And it shows like the more sort of like. Walter's like, no, no, there's a process to this. You gotta, you gotta first establish that the homework is his. Then we need to be like, how does it get in the car? Whereas the dude's just like, man, just tell us if it's, like, where's the money? Yeah, please. Um, so, to which then Walter gets angry and says, oh, do you want to see what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass? And then proceeds to get a crowbar from uh, his car and just smash this. Not out. his car, the dude's car. And that's the funniest thing about it because it's Because... Like... <laughs> When he proceeds to, like, when he gets this Grover and he proceeds to, like, smash up this Ferrari or whatever it is, like, the whole neighborhood wakes up when he hears Walter Showback, like, fucking smashing up this car and, like, this guy randomly from another house runs out and he's like, what the fuck are you doing to my car? And Walter's realizing that, like, it's not this kid's car at all. Like, he's completely fucked this whole thing up. And he's like, oh, shite. You know, and this guy, this other guy who's ran out of his house, he's like completely distraught. Like he's like, "What the fuck have you done to this car? I've just bought it." And then he grabs, <laughs> he grabs the crowbar and takes it over to the dude's car, who's which is like, already fucked. It's already fucked. Like it's been impounded. It's been pissed in by fucking vagrants and like it's a soup kitchen, I believe, is the term. <laughs> it's for those it, who've seen the other guys. <laughs> it's a soup kitchen. <laughs> it's completely fucked and like half of the doors don't open and it's just a banger it's a complete yeah. banger and this other guy runs over with the crowbar he's taken off it's the, uh, the business by Tiesto it's just a banger <laughs> I love a bit of Tiesto <laughs> and he completely just lays into it and the dude is just there like oh for fuck's sake yeah, it's just like, <laughs> like this is not ideal fuck? and what I love about Walter is he's just like well fuck it like do you know it just didn't work out <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's just um, the way the cookie crumbles man <laughs> dude dude man um sorry i so so just to go back to um the sort of uh jackie treehorn and like the dude being there they drug him and there's this there's this ultimate dream sequence probably the most iconic um, one of the most iconic scenes of the movie where the dude has this whole imagination sequence of himself uh, being like the handyman. It's basically like a porno. It's called Gutter Balls yes. starring yes. the dude Lebowski, the dude and uh, Maude Lebowski. Um, and just another fact for you, actually, it's kind of interesting. This is the Where's only the fact time... attack? Do I not get a fact attack, Gary? Do you want to... Put it in. I don't, I don't do them often. I want right, it here's in. A, here's on, a quick... fact attack. Fact attack for you, Keanu Driscoll, is that this is the only scene in the entire movie we see the dude bowl. 100%. He does not bowl. I was hoping you'd scene. pick up on it. 
I don't know, did you look it up or did you actually pick up on it? So another interesting thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's this really fucked sequence. It's 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 like she's in a. It, it it reminded me of I don't know. You haven't seen Hail Caesar, have you? It's a Coen Brothers movie. I haven't seen. No, it. I haven't. Seen Shout it. out to David Scanlon. He's seen it, uh, and I couldn't be honest watching it. He literally goes meh, and I was like, okay, that's good enough for me. Uh, and the Scanlon scale it re- ranks at a meh, and I'm like, no good. Uh, but it's it's, it's very five. much like. It's a bit of fun. Um, so I was like, couldn't be arsed with it. But anyway, it's very similar in that it's it's just this whole thing. There's like uh, women with like bowling pin pin like hats, and um, she's dressed. Uh, Maud Lebowski is dressed as a Viking, the the daughter of the big Lebowski, and he's like a handyman. It, it's bizarre. I with can't the even tool explain belt. it. The tool belt and all. Um, it's just it's it's bizarre. It's weird, but it makes sense that the dude is kind of imagining that at the time when he's knocked out. Um, and it just it it just and it's funny because later on he mentions like oh what do you like what do you like to do recreationally and he goes oh I like to smoke a J and maybe the odd acid drop as well and <laughs> like, you're like yeah this is probably one of the acid drop scenes but it also ties in because like when she like she keeps like from the first like when she first sort of like tries to get him to come over it's like she she knocks him out like he's like she she knocks him out with two of her henchmen like not the two henchmen from the beginning but like another two and like she kidnaps him and brings him over and then you go to their like art gallery or whatever but you kind of get a sense that something funky is going on and like she's she's classed as this extremist feminist and like she has this ulterior motive and you don't really know you don't really understand what it is at the time but like flash forward to this scene and you're kind of getting a hint that like okay you know, it's something like it is something sexual she wants from him. Like, okay, what is it? You know, <laughs> and you can only you can only begin to kind of like figure it out because, like, what the fuck is it? And that's what I love about this movie because the plot is just like it's so convoluted. Like, where the fuck does this tie in? You know, like there's so many things about this movie. Like, yeah. where the fuck does this tie in? Like, what is this about? Apart from the fact that she's the Big Lebowski's like daughter, but at the same time, it's what does this have to do with the movie? So, like, you're kind of wondering, like, okay, how is she connected? Is she also in on the case? Like, is she also trying to figure out mm. figure out what's going on? And no like no. she 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 just does have like she has this ulterior motive that he has no idea about you know and i, Which and is... I love it she she wants to get pregnant it's, she, it's this impregnation scheme but why she why wants. why the dude because because he has no ties like he he has absolutely no interest and and she says it in one of the scene later scenes for the audience like she she's like he wants. She wants no commitment from the father. She she wants to grow this child in her like not. I don't know in her image, but she wants to grow this child like in the way she wants, and she wants no input whatsoever from the dude at all. Like she she yeah. just wants you know uh, this child for the like for herself, and the dude is the perfect candidate, the absolute perfect candidate because of course he's going to agree. The first thing he says when she. Like, they've just had sex or whatever, and, like, she's positioning herself in all these different ways to, like, you know, uh, help along the conception. <laughs> like, he's like, well, is that yoga? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, no, it improves uh, conception. And he's just like, well, no, no, hang on now here. And no, he just spits out his white Russian, which I can imagine to you would only be a sin. <laughs> my, my white Russian is also uh, nearly gone, so I might just get myself another. But, um... Mm. 
uh, so he's just like, you know, hang on now here a minute. And, and he's like, and she says, don't worry. You know, I don't want you to like have any impact on this child's upbringing. And so that's the end of that kind of plot yeah. line, you know? That's the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's bad because um, so I was also thinking because uh, like you say there's a lot of like red herrings in the sense of just plot lines that just happen and it's like uh, it reminds you of the scene where the dude is um, being chased by that uh, like that, uh, that the Volkswagen Beetle and you just think oh who is this now yeah uh, who, who is this person working for and you just turn out it's it's a private detective that Bunny Lebowski's family hired and you, you're just told that but they don't come back into it. It's just this thing where it makes you try to keep guessing what exactly is going on. And the Coen brothers are fantastic from it's it. This, yeah, it's the same with the kid with the, the homework. Like, you just don't know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it, it, it does a great job for that. Um, and it, it's great because there's only one person that seems to know what's going on. And that's uh, that's Sam Elliott, the narrator. Uh, yeah. One of the ma- with, with the most leathery voice you've ever heard in your entire life. So we're, we're kind of introduced to him like at the beginning. There's also a scene in the middle where he kind of shows up and talks to the dude and he, you know, he asks for a drink. Um, what's that drink, Keith? <laughs> Sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla. I, I, I'm a big fan of root beer. A really big fan. But quote me now in this audience. I don't know. Come back and get me. I'm pretty sure it's Mr thompson's root beer is probably the best i can't remember exactly but i'm just going i'm just going to throw that out there i've had a lot of different sarsaparillas and i still can't find my favorite i had it once my brother's wife is american she got it for me it's fantastic and i can't find it anywhere in ireland at the moment but just saying that um the only reason i also bring that up about sam elliott and ordering a sarsaparilla is i think it's the first movie of the podcast where there's a character called gary i'll need to go back and double check but i just have my notes here Gary in full caps, uh, explanation mark, question mark, explanation mark. Uh, so it makes me very happy to see Gary representation in movies. Um, but um, like, I suppose other, uh, like, uh, like, uh, like you say about the plot kind of wrapping up and kind of understanding. So we then realized that the Nihilists never had Bunny all along and Bunny was just visiting friends. Uh, all Maud wanted to do was to conceive a child but also get the money back for the foundation the big Lebowski just wanted to keep a million dollars because he was running low on money and blame it on the dude so all of this happened because Bunny went on holidays and it's just such a great Coen Brothers thing and that's just like that's all that happened but all this kind of mayhem and chaos that kind of incurred throughout it and I think it's funny that you mentioned the fact that Donnie plays no integral part in it but he plays no part in it but it probably is the moment, the best moment of growth for both the dude and Walter. It is. It really is because, like towards the end, and the nihilists, like they assume the gig is still on, and they they go to the bowling alley, and it's just like, oh, <laughs> hold on, I've ju- I've just realized, I've just realized we've got a whole podcast, and I haven't done an impression. So do you want to try your nihilist impression? I'll try mine. <laughs> I I feel like I've done this perfectly during the movie, but now <laughs> I'm like, oh crap. I've got stage fright for being I'm too racist, maybe. <laughs> I'll perfectly do the nihilist impression if you do the nihilist impression. Have you got the money? Where's the money, Lebowski? <laughs> um, so actually, another funny thing about the nihilists, uh, one of them is in a lot of movies. Uh, I can't remember his name. He's in another, he's he's in um, Fargo. Uh, but one of the other guys is Flea. The bass player from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Really? Uh, who show- yeah, he's he's the guy who gets the bowling ball straight to the chest. Is that one, a fact attack? Uh, Can I have a fact attack? 
No, you, no, I'm not calling it. I'll do it later on. I have loads more. Trust me. I know this is like, this podcast is already long enough, but I haven't covered half of them. Oh, um, no, we're but, going two hours, baby. We're going no, two we're hours. Not two, we're not doing two hours. <laughs> and it's funny because me and you don't know this right now, but whoever's listening to this can see how long he's left. And I find that quite exhilarating. Um, but no, so it's Flea, the bassist from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And uh, it's funny because we also did, he was also in Baby Driver, which is a podcast I did with Mark. But that was a movies, very good podcast. Been, He's been in a load of other movies. He's been in uh, Back to the Future, and he's been a ma- he's been a load of stuff. And you just uh, he just shows up in movies, and I completely forgot he was in this. Um, and so there you go. Well, like I, to be honest, I'm not surprised because I've I I, I don't want to like put you on the spot now and make you feel bad. Oh, but no. I've oh, been no. listening to a lot of other podcasts lately. And uh, sorry, how dare you? How <laughs> dare you? I thought we see Gary's face right now. I thought we were an exclusive podcast relationship. All all my podcasts that I've been listening to are uh, are about writers and short stories, and uh, short stories uh, are are great in the sense that they always say, "Don't put something in if it's not useful." <laughs> Basically, it makes sense, right? So this podcast. <laughs> I should just leave out all the unimportant things. Exactly. So you're telling me I need to go back and delete 24 episodes. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> but what I'm saying is is that the Coen brothers, in terms of... They are true authors, artists, right? Like, they, they, they know their business. And what they put into a movie, they know 100% what they're doing in every scene and every minute. And I'm 100% certain that every minute is important in that movie. You know, everything they do is, has a purpose. You know, they, they don't, there's nothing in that movie that's excess, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, very and, true. And I really appreciate that. And that's what I love about their movies is that, you know, I haven't seen them all, but like the ones that I have seen, I, I get the sense of that, even in the comedies and the serious ones. Um, And, there, and there's a great one out there, the... The assassination of Jesse James. That's a really, really good film. It's it's based on the the story or the myth of uh, Jesse James, but like it's the same kind of thing. It's very slow moving and and serious and whatever. But like every one of those slow scenes or those uh, you know those long drawn out uh, acts, it's 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 really really good. And there's no scene in there or or, or no movement. Even the silences between actors and the dialogues that that's not important. Or that's, you know, it is important, but like, you know, uh, it's, and it's in the same with this, like in the actors that they cast, like those nihilists, like they're, they're all chosen for their roles, mm, you know, yeah. they don't do anything without purpose. And and I really like that, you know, because the act, the cast isn't big, you know, there aren't that many actors in the film. I, I disagree. Sorry. I, I think there are a lot of actors. They're just not in it a lot. As in, like, you know, when you look at the... When you actually look at the, 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 the cast list, there's a low, there's a good few in it. They're just not used a lot. So they're, they're But they're, all, they're all very important. Do you know but what I mean? Are, yeah, that's what I mean. But they're all very good at... They're also good at leading you one way and making you think it's going another way. It's very yeah. Alice in Wonderland and, like, it's it, it, there's all these... You don't know who's... Which direction to follow. Um, so... No, but that's what I mean. But like David Thulis, I can't pronounce his name. Um, he's he's a big actor. Yeah, he's only in it for about thirty seconds. Julianne Moore, she's a big actor. She's Imagine a film with minutes. extras, but they're not extras. <laughs> that's 
you know what? You've just you've just summed it up there, Kane. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> They're not extras. This is a film full of first class actors and like there's no small parts. Oh, but there are small parts, but we will talk about it. Like this like do you remember who Philip Moon played? Philip Moon. He has to be one of the uh, the, the blonde henchmen, was it? Oh, you're so close. It's the other one. It's it's Woo. Yeah, what's well, Woo? Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was just putting you on the spot. Um but no, actually, sorry, just just to bring it, this, I'll say this is a fucking attack, um, which is that... Do I get the noise there? You, you, whenever I say it, the noise goes in. You've listened to enough of these. Well, whenever I say it, I don't get no, the noise. No, no noise, no noise. It's only me. Ah. Do you want a noise? I'd love the noise. Can I have a noise right okay. now? Why not? <laughs> this is going out on Tuesday. It's being recorded on Friday. I'm not editing it tomorrow because tomorrow is, uh, what is it? It's, uh, it's recovery Shabbos. day because no, it's I'm going to make you drink a lot tonight. <laughs> no, it's Shomer Shabbat, Keen. I don't podcast. Shomer Shabbat. I'm Shomer Shabbat. <laughs> Just like I don't drive. I don't drive. <laughs> but that's to do with alcohol toxicity levels than anything else. But... The fact attack I was trying to say was that in a Rolling Stones interview, uh, John Goodman stated that the dude referring to the Big Lebowski as a human paraquat was one of the only improvised lines to make it into the film because pretty much every other line was to script, including every man and dude that was scripted. But what I love about this movie most, what I really love about this movie most is even though there were consequences to the plot, like poor old Donnie, he fucking, he got the heart attack, bit the bullet. That is the only consequence. Afterwards, the dude basically goes back. It's pure cyclical. He starts, he finishes, he ends. He goes back to the way it was. Obviously, they're missing Donnie. Throughout the film, apart from the audience's compassion towards Donnie as being a fucking subhuman character. Yeah. He's like Kip from Futurama. Exactly. Thank you for quoting one of my favorite TV shows. No problem. Well, seasons one to nine, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, don't go off topic here on future album, please. please. Yeah, no, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not. To. So many quotes just popped into my head. Um, yeah, the movie just goes back to the way things were, and I think that's like the epitome of what the dude is. Like the dude abides. It goes back to what it is. Things go back to the way they were back to bowling it goes back to the bowling alley the strangers there he sorry uh have we reached our limit it's no no sorry i was only just going to cut in to say about the dude abide scene because i have a i have a i have a fact attack about that oh no hit me with your, fact i love fact attacks I your, bring them I'll back there haven't here. been enough Hold of them on. Keen, I have so many, Keen. I can't. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I, it's just funny because we were talking about the, how everything resets. Um, in that the dude's line, the dude abides, is a reference to some passage from the Bible uh, that I can't pronounce. <laughs> Something. Yeah, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> uh, so basically, one generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. It's a reference to how the dude, much like the earth, can weather change and chaos around him, but he still remains the same. And and that's what I like. I don't know. I I love this movie so much because, like, I, I looked up so, like, over the years, I've watched this movie, like, through different times. Like, I think I, the first time I watched this movie was when I was in, like, fourth year in secondary school, and I watched it multiple times then, fifth and sixth year, during college, and now again, like, over the last couple of years. 
and you get a little bit away from it you take a little bit away from it like like something different every time and it's always different what you take away from it and i don't know the like the most recent kind of thing that you kind of, like i've kind of taken away from it is the fact that like it's just he i don't know what did i write down here hang on now a minute is it no to is it that you should never fuck a stranger in the ass you should never fuck a stranger in the ass. Quick fact attack while you're actually um, finding that, which is that in the clean version for television broadcast, the famous line, this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, was changed to, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. It's frequently cited as one of the most creative edits made for a film to be aired on television. <laughs> oh, I can't find it now. No, I can't find it. Oh, yeah, no, I got it. So, like, the thing about it that I noticed about this film is that, like, Again, to bring up that character, or no, that actor that you don't like to mention, beep, Kevin Spacey, um, in the thing about the American dream, which as much as I now dislike that actor, it was a fantastic film. As much as that film portrayed the the falsicity, I don't know if that's a word, but like the the, the fakeness of that kind of dream that people cheat, like achieve for or strive for. Do you mean American beauty? American Beauty, sorry, American Beauty. Yeah, 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 American Dream. American Dream and fucking American Beauty. People go for that American Dream, like, the you know, work their asses off, they achieve their home in the suburbs, and it's fucking, it's all roses and fucking cherry pies and whatever the fuck. The dude is, like, the antithesis to this. His okay, life yeah. does, His life does not progress. His life is linear. It fucking, it goes in, like, it goes in horizontals. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. It doesn't progress. He no. like he talks about when he finished college and like yeah, he majored in this and he did this and he may have done that. I th- I can't remember exactly the quote, but he did this out of out of seven. No, he was something of seven and then there were six other guys. I can't remember exactly. But it's like and there were six others. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So like he talks about how oh, he's talking about the Seattle Seven, the Seattle Seven of which he was number six or no, something. No, so he was like, I was part of the Seattle Seven, and there were six others. Yeah. Um. Sorry, and this isn't even a fact. Like, I just genuinely, I just, I, I read this up when I was reading it, where it's basically the character of the dude was based on this um American producer called Jeff Dowd, and he was part of this, and apparently he like the dude in that scene where after he slept with um Julianne Moore's mod is saying all these things that apparently are the yes. same about this guy Jeff Dowd, Jeff Dowd who was part of the Seattle 7 and was just like super laid back he was also on tour with Met- maybe not Metallica but a band I think yeah it was Metallica but in the movie it's Metallica in, in, in real life it might have been another band I can't okay yeah, yeah yeah sorry go ahead no so like he he's this guy who kind of reached his potential at like high school you know or college level undergraduate level and he he just moved horizontally from there. You know what I mean? And and I love that because in the same way of American Beauty, like you, you reach your goals, you reach the American dream or whatever, and you realize that like as much as I don't like that actor anymore, you know, after all that shite or whatever. Yeah. But you it was a great film in the sense that you reach you reach those goals and you realize they're not really what you thought they were. It's like the grass is always greener. Yeah. But like with the dude it's like okay he he just like fuck that you know 
you know i'm happy yeah. where i am you know what i mean like he he didn't bother strive he didn't bother he was happy where he was fuck that shit man too much stress grand happy out and you know that's what he's all about like he's yeah. about no stress no work no stress grand. no hassle no hassle no hassle in the castle and i i think that's a that's a major thing about coming into this movie and also the fact that like you've got to realize like he's not on the same pace as everyone else like when everyone else is talking and interacting with him he's going 10 paces slower yeah but don't call him stupid because at the same time he figures things out a lot faster than other people around him who are moving faster like walter like maud like everything else even though they might have more information he's figuring things out faster you know what i mean yeah but it's just he's moving slower yeah and you know i love that about the film it's it's all it's all around great and there's different layers and you can watch this film for the first time or the 16th time and you're still coming away like with with good things you know yeah and like i i like i said i'd seen it before and i used like i said one of the one of the other movies i've watched with the person i was doing the podcast or you saw how much i was jamming out to those tunes i completely forgot how class the tunes were the tunes, the are, tunes class. were unreal they're fuck i literally have a post note beside me that says listen to the big lebowski soundtrack that's also even if you don't watch the movie just listen to the soundtrack it's fucking unreal but that goes um, for all coen brother it does movies. it very much does but it, it, it's more that it's just i knew we hadn't touched on it in the sense of the script the the cinematography the cast the it's uh, just, no it, fuck it, that it's, like fuck all that shit i i don't know <laughs> shit about movies do you know what i mean i said that at the beginning i don't know fuck all about movies so okay like people come in with their you know like yeah fucking mention all that shit like i just take that as a given the the music's class the setting is class the acting is class the actors you know all that yeah yeah no very true and like i'm i'm, I'm very I'm very happy you picked it. Uh, it was a it was a phenomenal movie. But Kino Driscoll, I'm gonna have to end on a few fact attacks. And don't uh, do you want your noise here as well? I'd love my noise there. I I love my noise. Uh, no, do you want your noise here? Yes. Swing. Okay, um, to be perfectly honest, Keen, uh, because of how niche I've been putting these podcasts, these are noises that only you're going to understand, not anyone else. So I hope you're okay with that. Well, you better tell me what they are first. No, I, I'll do it, and then you'll realise it when you listen to it on Spotify, so don't worry. Um, so right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish off with just three more, because I think you'll find them interesting. So basically, before filming a scene, Jeff Bridges would fe- frequently ask the Coen brothers... Did the dude burn one on the way over? If they said he had, he would rub his knuckles on his eyes before doing a take to make his eyes look more bloodshot. Sounds like uh, Basically, him. another one being then, uh, of all the different personalised bowling shirts Donnie wears throughout the film, none of them bears his name. Yeah, I noticed that. And then finally, the last one, which I just think is the most interesting one we talk about the dude's motivations, would be that in an early draft of the script, the dude's source of income was revealed. He was the heir to the inventor of the Rubik's Cube, which uh, would have also made him Hungarian in turn. It was Joel Cohen's idea to drop this and never say how he got his money. To be fair, I always wondered that about the movie. Like, I have watched this movie a lot. And it's never said the reasons he gives Maud in bed when like they've just had sex or whatever afterwards and they're talking. Like that's the only indication. Does sex make you uncomfortable? Does the word vagina make you uncomfortable? Not at all, Gary. I'm very comfortable. (laughs) 
But I, I, I just want to say that's the only time when you get a sense of like how he's been able to live so long as he has in the way that he has. And it's not enough. So yeah. you don't really understand as to how he's earned his money or how he's able to live like this. So you don't get a sense. And it's the only question that like I've still had afterwards and I haven't Googled it. I don't want to know. Yeah, like well, I've just told you. I'm you've sorry. just told me, so you've ruined the movie for me, Gary. Thank I you have, very much. I have, but you know what you've also done? You've inspired millions. Oh, and when I say millions, oh. maybe five people to go watch this movie. Oh. Um, and and I can only thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Gary. And finally, to talk about a movie that I fucking love talking about with someone that I. I'm okay talking to you about movies. Like, eh, not the best. Uh, Gary, you, you haven't been as drunk as I've been. You know, you, where's your white Russian? <laughs> I will say you're you're literally the first person on the podcast to ever make a cocktail mid-podcast. <laughs> Gary, I can't talk about this movie and not make a cocktail. That's not very true. make a white Russian. That's very true. But I can tell you, either way, I'm very grateful that you've come on. I'm very grateful to anyone who's listened to this and to any of the other ones. Uh, if you want to know when new ones are coming out, you can follow Reading of the Peers at Reading of the Peers on Instagram. You can follow on Spotify. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and I'll do a very fun thing that's TBD. I haven't decided yet. Uh, but Kino just got. I'll throw it over to you. Any final words? Not much. Just to say thank you for having me on. Like I said at the beginning, I've always thought that this is the perfect, perfect gig for you. You're fantastic. <laughs> Stop. at this I, I honestly think it's the perfect gig for you and i really think you should keep going with it you know it's a it's a great gig and i think the way you're doing it is fantastic and i just want to say a shout out to everyone else who's come before me like they're they're class like i've enjoyed every single one of the podcasts every single one of them especially you know uh, a lot of the movies have been new to me a lot of them i've watched before my favorite I have to say, favorite movie out of all of them that I've watched was Alien. I have to say, oh, wow. shout out to Alice. That's one of my favorite movies. Disagree on some of her interpretations <laughs> about <laughs> the uh, prequels, yet sequels. Like, uh, you know, you know. We won't go into. We won't go into. Air your grievances to Alice. We, I'm we, sorry. We won't go into. She gave it, me okay? a fantastic sourdough recipe recently, so you can't give oh, a shit. Fuck you, I. No, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. You You go to her, right, but you don't come to the baker. You don't come to the baker. Fuck that shit. No, no, forget that. No, whatever. Okay, ladies look, I gentlemen. loved uh, David's stuff, own stuff, right. John's stuff, don't Lily's stuff, fucking, everyone, everyone's fucking great. Text them. Fucking text them. Don't no, be fuck you, fuck you. You gave time. me, you gave me the time to do this okay you gave me the time to do it so i'm Christ. taking advantage okay. i just want to say thanks to okay. everyone who came before me okay. do you want to thank any primary school teachers while you're at it i'm sure there's some neighbors you can also thank as well while you're well at i it. only had two primary we, we had a very small school i, I don't care about your school. fucking sad, sad story keith let me end this podcast there was only two people in my primary class primary school <laughs> class me and one other person um but yeah, no, I just, wa- I just I want to okay. say that it, it nope. was a great experience and I loved okay. it entirely and, yeah, okay. no, truly entirely. And uh, all my notes here, uh, <laughs> do I have anything to say? No, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Cheers, Gary. Thanks thanks okay. very much no, for having Keen, me on. Thank, thanks again. And look, all there's left to say is, well, 
That about does wrap her up. Things seem to have worked out pretty good for the Gary and the Keen. And it was a pretty good podcast, don't you think? Made me laugh to the beat of the band. Pots, anyway. I didn't like seeing John being insulted like that, but then again, I happen to know there's a little Keen on the way. I guess that's the way the whole damned human comedy keeps perpetuating itself. Down through the generations, westward the wagons, across the sands, time until we... Ah, oh, look at me, I'm rambling again. Well, I hope you enjoyed yourselves, folks. Catch you later down the trail. Say, friend, you got any more of that good sarsaparilla? Send me dead flowers to my wedding. I won't forget to put roses on your grave.